Shut up and sit down. Welcome into the podcast, ladies and boomers, for another episode. Which what are we at now? 28, 29? I can't keep counting. Nah, 29. So hey, where was the 30? Big 30, 30. Uh welcome in to another episode, ladies and boomers. I am your host, Buck at Kyle. Here with my hope, co-host, Lil Boomer. Lil Boomer, how you feeling today? Making bank, baby. Making yeah. bank. I am Sport- a full-blown degenerate. Sports betting is really treating you well so far, huh? Uh, you know what? It's funny you mentioned that because last night, if the Jackets win, I hit a 16 parlay for $147 and an 18 parlay for 636 Lost both of them. And so I decided to be a degenerate, throw some more money at uh, Jersey and Edmonton, still made 100 bucks. Hey, how about that? You know, before you know, we're just going to have a whole segment of us just talking about sports betting and, and what picks we're taking. I That's think people love that shit. I don't, I don't see why not. That'll be our Friday episodes. Okay. You and Zach can do that one, huh? I'm going to sit that one out, I think. I'm, I got to stay away from it. I'm so bad at betting. I lose all of my money so quickly. I only put like five bucks down to on, on each bet. I never win bets ever. It doesn't matter what it is. I'm done with I, it. I tell you what, I started out like a downhill roller coaster when January 1st rolled around. January 1st and January 3rd, I was like, I should not be doing this. But I have since doubled my money everywhere. So I'm playing with house money at this point. And just actually not being stupid. Love to see it. We have uh, we have a special episode here for all the little boomers out there today. Um, we have joined forces for a crossover episode of Bucket and Boomer with Subjectively Speaking. Here we have Jeremy and Laura from Subjectively Speaking. How you two feeling today? Feeling so good. Ready to watch my Bengals win. So yeah, I'm gonna, today. I'm, love it. I'm gonna, oh. some, I'm gonna throw some money as we're recording on the Bengals. So. Speaking of being a degenerate, you have no idea how much money I have on the Bengals right now. <laughs> well, here's hoping they pull it out for you, like for everybody on this call. Here's hoping. Yeah. You all keep saying Joe Burrow is him. He is. Oh, he is him. Because I will be a rich, rich man. He will. I'm calling it right now on the podcast. I say the Bengals win by at least two touchdowns. I don't even think it's going to be close. There it is. That's just there it. It's fine. All right. Laura, how you doing? Thank you for being here. I'm good. I'm just, I'm a uh, Bengals fan, fan by proxy because Jeremy makes me be one. Uh, so who day? And also I hope they win by two touchdowns. I know yeah. nothing about football. I'm a one sport girl. <laughs> That's okay. So. All you have to know is Joe Burrow. That's it. So it's the I only do. thing you have to know. Yes. What's, Joe Burrow. What's and you're funny, good. Laura, is I have adopted the Bengals today because I am a Browns fan. Therefore, I hate the Ravens. Mm. <laughs> that makes That's sense super fair yeah uh very, i'm really glad that the steelers didn't make the playoffs at least i mean yeah and i will the say there's a better many... place when the pittsburgh steelers do not make the playoffs very true and there aren't very many places in the world that i've been to and told myself that i would never go back but baltimore might be number one on that list <laughs> yeah, yeah you did have an good. unfortunate time in baltimore the last time yeah it wasn't really. great wasn't not great. a great city yeah <laughs> what happened what happened in baltimore I might have had some extracurricular activities at a conference that I was at, and the person might have gotten uh, carjacked on their way home. Been there. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. So, oh, my God. I didn't get Correct. carjacked, but I went to a parking lot, and the truck was missing. So, yeah. yeah. That sucks. 
tough. Uh, all right. Yeah, don't go back to Baltimore. Just stay away from that. <laughs> Plenty place, of dreams. Huh? Plenty yes. of dreams. Oh, my God. Uh, all right. So, as we know, let's just jump right into it here. The week that was, as we know so far this season, the Blue Jackets are just not doing well. Um, worst team in the league, if not Chicago. Uh, definitely have a lot of injuries for sure, but um, we're, we're, coaching comes up a lot. To this point, we'll get into the week that was and what has happened, but I just want to hear your two, your guys' thoughts on like what you think uh, is, is the main reason for why the team has been so bad this season with the expectations that we've had to start this season. Oh, you're oh. making me start first. I am, yeah. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> uh, well, I'm, well, it's well, such Hold on, Laura. I'm just going to yes. do this for you real quick because I know you guys always have a timer. So I'm just going to beat you to it. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> I win. We do. Yeah, we do have a timer. Damn. I'm, I'm sad to not get that one. I'm going to be honest. Now, now carry on. <laughs> All right. I feel less pressure now to have the first F word on a podcast. So thank you for that little boomer. Um, no, I think, honestly, I, I think it's a combination of everything you just said, Kyle. Like, it's coaching. It's team attitude. It's you know, front office expectations. It's certain players letting, I think, fan expectations get to them in certain ways. Like, it's just a perfect disaster of a season. And for some reason, we can't even get, like, the little things right. Like, I I think we talked about it on the show, but, like, I know I talked about Jeremy um, on one of our many phone conversations, but, like, we have the pieces. We don't have all of the pieces, but we have the pieces to piece together like an okay season. And we can't even do that. So like, obviously there's something deeper there. And when players like, I mean, obviously I'm talking out of turn because I think he heard me say that he wasn't playing well, but because he got a hat trick last night, but like, Patrick Line, like, hasn't been Patrick Line for several weeks. Johnny Gaudreau, yes, he is kind of keeping steady in his points, but he's not scoring. Like, he's getting a ton of assists, but he's not scoring, which is not like Johnny Gaudreau, like, and all these sorts of things. Like, so there's something deeper. I do think a lot of it, like, the biggest majority is coaching, but no one seems to be in a hurry to even make any slight adjustments. And when you're halfway through the season and you're just now doing hard practices, that's insane. That's what we talked about on the artillery podcast oh last God. week was, oh, you're now you're doing hard practices. Ooh, ooh, no. Oh my goodness. Like wh- what are we doing here? Right, Jeremy? I mean, it took what, 40 games for them to finally think like, uh, maybe if we just stepped it up a little bit in practice, maybe the results would, would start to yield for themselves. I don't know. It's, it is everything that Laura said. I also think it's it's a matter of, you know, I think what makes seasons like this even harder is when you get into the season and you've got folks tossing around all sorts of ludicrous expectations about what this team could be, where it could go after what they did in the offseason. And, and that, obviously, I think just bad for morale, right? It's bad for morale in the locker room when you come out and you lay an egg to start the season. And, you know, it's bad for the fans who start to think everything is, like, totally off the rails, which in some ways they're not wrong. A lot of this has gone off the rails, and I think a lot of it can can come back to coaching. I think the thing that I've been most disappointed in, at least from, from a fan standpoint, is, you know, Brad Larson is not without success 
with with these kind of players, right? When we're talking about young guys who are in the AHL, coming out of the AHL. He's been a he, he's been a successful AHL head coach before, so I think there was a part of me that was excited to see what he would do with all of this young talent in Columbus, and it just hasn't materialized in a way that I've been happy with. And and so I think even outside of just the results, the the lack of development I think I'm seeing happen for some of these players, specifically players like Cole Fillinger, right? Like that's like what that those are the red flags for me. Like even outside of what we're seeing happen on the ice and on the scoreboard. Yeah, the ice time as well. I know it's been a big topic of conversation. I, I now Boomer injuries and. And everything like that definitely play a part. But then you, you kind of you have to adapt and, and deal with the injuries as they come. And it seems like it hasn't been dealt with in the way that it should be when it comes to ice time. I mean, we're looking at Jack Roslovic averaging over 17 minutes of, of ice time every game. And he's, he's been good. He's been okay. He's been facilitating more. He's been uh, not 17 minutes worth, especially more than other guys that should be getting more time. What do you think about uh, his ice time and, and everything that he's been doing with that to this point? Dude, I think it's crazy. I think part of the problem, if we go back to the root of the problem with Brad Larson, is the fact that everybody hears when you have a hard coach, the next coach should be a player's coach. And I think because he was under Tortorella's regime for so long, he wanted to prove he's not Tortorella. That's why we had the easy practices. That's why at the beginning of the year, we were rolling four lines, rolling four lines, rolling four lines. But when it wasn't working – he slipped right back into the old habits. Boom. I am from the Tortorella regime. So veterans are going to leave. Veterans are going to get 20 plus minutes. We've talked about it in previous episodes. Our top line points wise has more points than the other lines about double. And that's because they play more than twice as much. So if you match them against another first line from another team, they're still a little bit lower on points but they're playing like five to eight minutes a game more than those other top lines that are scoring as much or more. And obviously injuries do come into play, but at some point, these are all professionals. You got to step up. You got to take your opportunity when it comes to you and you got to run with it. And that's why it shocked me this week to see a guy like Marcus Bjork get sent back down because that kid has come up and showed out like I thought he was solid top four going into the future so just say it what the hell are we doing are we tanking they're not going to say it right I mean there's no way that you can come out and say it Jeremy I know you have something to say here but like there's no there's no way Yarmo can come out and tell everybody hey we're tanking what they're going to do is have meetings with Larson and say oh that Marchenko kid that just had a hat trick yeah uh, bench his ass like immediately. There's that no Marchenko really... kid that leads the league in goals per 60 minutes who's still buried on the fourth line getting nine to ten minutes a game. Not a ton of time last night either. Now he didn't play, he was pretty invisible last night. We'll get into it here the week that was, but I, I don't know. It, it seems like the, the pressing issue right now is is clearly we're losing on purpose at this point, but it's the development. It's the young guys that that need to get more time to start getting into the groove marchenko came in hit the ground running he's been playing pro hockey for three years already over in russia so that's not an issue but like carson meyer guys like that chinikov the guys that have not chinikov was playing khl too but the the guys that have been in the hl been in juniors not been up here as much need to get more time and it's just not happening because rostovic is the one right yeah i mean it definitely seems that way right i mean i think you know i 
I'm pretty okay with whatever direction management wants to go in with the rest of the season, right? Like if we want to, like, I'm not for tanking. I don't think any fan is going to tell you like that they want to watch their hockey team lose, uh, you know, a vast majority of their games. Right. But I think the thing about it that is baffling to me is there is a, there is a moderately simple way to diminish your talent at the national hockey league level while also providing opportunities for development for some of these younger guys and that is the AHL, right? Like, so for me, I'm like, you know, if, if we're going to go this route of tanking, whatnot, let's not do that by placing the guys who have been developing well on the third and fourth line. Let's do that by having them play first, second line minutes in Cleveland. I'd much rather see that happen. I mean, I, as much as I'm loving Marchenko and watching him tear up the, the NHL and really just, you know, showing us that he was worth all of the hype that everybody's talked about for the last couple of years. There's a part of me that wishes that he were still in Cleveland doing the same thing, leading the AHL in goals scored and, and doing that instead. And, and at that point, obviously your talent is going to be lesser at the NHL level and you're going to lose more games. So I don't know. We'll see. I, I don't love the way the development has happened for these players so far. I, you know, there are plenty of other ways to, and also the idea of like bringing them up in this, like losing culture, is like not great either. Like that's the piece of, that concerns me the most is like having a guy like Kent Johnson. Like that's somebody I, I don't want to get used to having, you know, finish 32nd in the league every year. That's not, that's not where I, that's not the energy I want him to have. Now right, I feel like Kent Johnson then at that point would have to be a part of it. Right. So be a part of the success going forward. Go ahead, Boomer. What were you saying right. there? Buffalo already did that. And look, their captain pretty much walked away. Yeah. There, I think there was more things going there with that, with, with Eichel, with this, with this injury and how it was handled and everything like that, I think was a big part of why he walked away from that and wanted to get away from that. It's, I, I think the management wasn't treating him well. I don't think we have an issue with management treating players unwell here, in my opinion. It feels like um, everything is is taken care of in a, in a good way, especially when it comes to injuries, as we've seen. But, um, yeah, it, it just feels like, again, the development of, of some of these players. Kent Johnson's gotten better all season, so that's great. Um, he gets better every game that he plays. Marchenko's looking pretty good. Um, some of these younger guys though, like Carson Meyer is up and down, up and down. Your got some time and then he's, and then he's gone and he's playing a world junior. So it, it made sense why he got sent back down and why he's been spending time down there. But I mean, poor Marcus, Marcus Bjork, he's come up here and done everything correctly to this point. And, and in my opinion, he's made a few mistakes, but the kids, what is he? 19 years old, 20 years old. He he's up here playing his ass off. And then, and then Blankenberg comes in and takes his spot out of there when it, I don't think that he should have, in my opinion. I think Blankenberg should have came in as a healthy scratch. Um, I don't know. I think Sillinger should be in Cleveland right now with his brother, Owen. I, I don't think there's any reason to healthy scratch Cole Sillinger right now. He He's not. He's waiver exempt. It makes so much sense just to send him to Cleveland, spend the rest of your of the season up there, um, play your games, get your time, and, and get some confidence back going into next season when we need you. So, just some of the decisions that are being made right now with this team just do not make any sense. And I don't think it's just coaching. I mean, obviously coaching is what we're seeing on the ice here, but when it comes to roster moves and shit like that, when you're trying to get guys developed, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to, to continue to pound Cole Sillinger in the same spot. It's the, it's the definition of insanity, right? It's doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And it's just not working and it doesn't make any sense. I'm going to start getting all worked up here. I've got a downstairs neighbor right now that, that is, I don't want to start yelling, but I, it's just some of this, some of the things that just do not make any sense. And there's, it's so frustrating as a fan because there's nothing that we can do about it. We just have to sit back and watch. 
it sucks so much. So that was my little rant, my little quiet rant, I guess. I <laughs> call it. Yeah. Well, going back to the expectation point too, don't forget, this is a team that overachieved last year. So it looked like they were on upward trajectory. And then you sign a Johnny Gaudreau who falls into your lap. You extend line A. You get that extension we've been talking about. You get that good Branson to shore up that defense, the one big tough guy you needed. Plus Olivier comes in to be your self-defense mechanism for the team. And with all those things of how we had just finished last year, you look at Johnny Gaudreau and a happy Patrick Liney with a new contract going, there's no way we can be worse, but we are. Yeah, there was a way. There was, in fact, <laughs> apparently a way. Yeah, no, there there definitely was a way. But, the, I mean, we talk about it all the time, this expectation versus reality, especially for from a fan perspective. And over the summer, you know, of course, the Blue Jackets saw this, like, skyrocketing of season ticket holders, you know, the most they've ever seen um, in franchise history. What? raising my prices <laughs> yes exactly um and because they don't they these are you know sort of fringe fans that don't really understand the business or like the situation that we were in over the summer where johnny wasn't part of the plan like johnny was never part of the plan he and fell yeah like it it's the weirdest stroke of luck like we were on a podcast a couple weeks ago that's like capital centric and he the host of that show was just like what even happened like how did this even like come about like you know trying to explain it and we were like dude we don't know like he just suddenly decided like not suddenly but like he's a quiet guy who handles his business quietly and no one knew that columbus was one of his options and you know it just happened but that took the fan perspective or expectation from here to here. And when right out the gate, we're not working that because you've added, yes, you've added this incredible talent in Johnny Gaudreau, but you also have the second youngest team in the league who like a good quarter to a third of these guys are looking at Johnny going, Oh my God. Like well, yeah, I Ken had Johnson just, is a guy that grew up like idolizing Gaudreau, right? Like that's the yes. guy gave him up, gave up his jersey number for him. Yeah. And now he's like sharing a locker room with him and he's like, hi, I had your uh, picture like on my wall, like, you know, would tell my parents like, I want to play like Johnny Gaudreau, like all this sort of stuff. And now you're sharing a, very beautiful locker room together. Um, And so now like this fan expectation is just imploding because we like a rebuild is a lot of things and we are in that, but no one expects to do a rebuild with (laughs) what did you say? Don't forget. We were also told we're not rebuilding. That is also true, but our, our real, the real ones know the deal. <laughs> this is a rebuild. Um, but no one expects to, to do a rebuild with someone like Johnny Gaudreau. So it's it's just a whole mess. And I don't think anyone in the organization was prepared. Right. So here, here's another question. Let me, this is something I just thought of, honestly, is I, I kind of want to play devil's advocate here. This, this front office clearly had a plan going into the offseason, right? With their draft picks and everything. Johnny Goudreau was not part of that plan, as you just said, which we all know that. Does Johnny Goudreau step the rebuild process back then? Because now they have to build a team around a guy they weren't really planning on being here because he is one of the best players that 
has ever walked step foot in nationwide arena as soon as he gets here. That is that is that something that maybe kind of is a step back for the whole team because now they're not really sure what to do at, at that spot because they have to build it, they have to reset the plan. I, I don't think it's unrealistic to say that, that could be a contributing factor, right? I think obviously when you go into a rebuild, you kind of have a plan, right? Like, you know, okay, looking like in the 2022, 2023 season, like not going to be our year. We're going to be toward the bottom of the league. Now, obviously that didn't signing Johnny Gaudreau didn't change that any, but you know, you think, okay, we're going to get a couple of good draft picks here. We're going to offload at the deadline. We're going to maybe acquire a couple other picks, start restocking. And maybe by then, maybe by the 23-24 offseason, we're finally thinking about making that big free agent signing. And to your point, I mean, like, if, if Johnny Goudreau is going to fall in your lap, you've got to do what you've got to do. I, I think the thing that maybe sets the rebuild back a little bit more is potentially, like, what you're doing – to work Johnny Goudreau into your cap situation, right? I think, you know, obviously we we heard over and over again for, for a handful of years, right? Like the middle six of this lineup is just, there are so many players that can fit into there. Um, and Oliver Bjorkstrand ends up being kind of a casualty of that because the thought is, oh, we've got so many guys here because at the time, right, we're talking about Alexander Texier and we're talking about, you know, those core guys there in the middle. And the reality is, I think we've seen this with the injuries that have occurred this season, that middle six might not be nearly as strong as originally thought, especially if Alexander Texier never comes back to Columbus and, and we have to figure out what to do there. And so I would almost be more apt to look at the moves that the Jackets made to fit Johnny Goudreau into the equation as being more of what set back this rebuild maybe a year or so. I think obviously, you know, players like David Juracek, the way that they're developing, I mean, like David Juracek is having the best draft plus one year in the AHL of a defenseman in, in modern history. I mean, he's outstanding, but it's going to be a minute before he's up here. Got to let some other things play out. And, you know, obviously we're missing guys like Oliver Bjorkstrand right now, right? Like that's, that's a huge component of something we're missing. And, and also we're missing, you know, we could go out on the market, right? Like we could have somebody else in this fold that could be useful but when you're paying a guy close to $10 million a year, you got to be careful with who you sign. Every, every signing is a risk. It always is, but especially when you got guys taking up that much money. Well, even two of them, right? Two, two guys that are making almost $10 million a year, and, and one of them is out for the rest of the season and hasn't yeah. played a full season in how long, if he has at all? I don't know. I'll have to go back and look. But I think he has there, once. He has one. He's played 182-game year? I yeah. believe so. Uh, I. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. Like it, it's it's interesting because you kind of look back at it's moves that were made and the Bjorkstrand trade for uh yeah for the pick I think it was just a pick right we didn't even Two get picks. anybody back for that but fourth, fourth and a fifth fourth and a fifth maybe that maybe that would maybe that wouldn't have made them better this year but again the injuries you kind of have to take a look at I think as well but it, it's the moves around the injuries. Uh, another good point going back to you saying maybe Johnny Gaudreau put the rebuild back a step. We've always been built on back-checking, hustling, being hard to play against the blue-collar blue team. Pack your lunch, strap on your work boots, and you're not going to outwork us. Well, with bringing in guys like Johnny Gaudreau and then bringing in uh, a Kent Johnson this year, these are not the big, burly, hard-working guys. These are skill finesse players. Maybe it's just the problem right now is we have a combination of blue-collar and white-collar that just doesn't blend. I and maybe 
Maybe I'm gonna I'm gonna rebuttal with that by saying that might that's a systemic thing I think with the Blue Jackets that's always been the identity, but that is that has changed entirely with with guys coming in and out of here. That used to be the deal I think when Felino was here with Boone Jenner when Boone Jenner first started and Cam and guys like that, skilled guys that can still lay the body for sure. Uh, Seth Jones, David Savard, um, Ryan Murray when Gavrikov first started coming up, like that was kind of the identity there. But now it's it's moved, and I think Larson. I think I, again, it comes back to coaching, in my opinion. Torts was for sure that guy that wanted the the hardworking, blue collar, grit, like eating nails for breakfast kind of thing. Uh, but now that Larson's here, he's trying to keep up the same thing with a different set of players, and he can't keep up with it because it's a the league is changing. You can't hit guys anymore. the The league is changing. Everything is changing to go offense, finesse, and the Blue Jackets are still in in the year 2020, 2012 uh, with how with how the organization I think moves and wants to be so blue collar all the time. It, that's I I truly believe that's why we're so behind and why we see guys even like when Johnny Goudreau comes in here, we see him only with what thirty nine points, and and he's supposed to be one of the he had one hundred fifteen last year, and all of a sudden he he's just not won't especially playing on the same line with line. A. It, it doesn't make any sense for a guy like that to come in here and all of a sudden just get suppressed. That's how well, we, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, the only time I think I've seen this franchise successfully make that work was with Artemi Panarin, right? Like it was a moment where I even think John Tortorella, and I think it might even be one of his greatest coaching feats based on like just his, the way that he used to coach. And it showed, I think his, his development the most was, him, he kind of let Artemi Panarin play, right? He kind of took the reins off of Artemi Panarin. And I think what the Jackets are missing more than anything right now, and, and honestly, I feel like they've missed for a while, is that guy who can kind of blend the two styles, right? Like there's nobody who's living in that gray area of grit and skill. And that's what's, I think, a little bit challenging, right? I mean, you could start to talk about players like, like Sean Corrales as being somebody who could potentially be that guy. I would argue that I don't think he does it as well as, as maybe we think he does in Columbus. I, I would think, you know, you take a look at teams across the league, right? I mean, like there is one, and I know that this is not a popular player by any means of the word, but the player who does it the best, in my opinion, is a player like Tom Wilson, right? Who, who can find his way onto a score sheet and he plays really, really well. And he, he can break a game up that way, but he can also rock somebody if he needs to, right? Like, we're missing those guys. We had it in Josh Anderson. We traded him for Max Domi. Name, name one. Who's the other one? Who's the main guy, though, that we just traded a few years ago? It's Nick Felino. Yeah. was that guy that yeah. would go in, wore the seat, would beat your ass, but also go between the legs and score a nasty top-shelf goal on you at any point in time. Just – he was he was the epitome of what it meant to be a Blue Jacket, and they traded him for a first-round fucking pick. And I get it. It makes sense, but I, I think back to that. He is crushing it in Boston right now, crushing it. After getting cut and all this stuff, he did nothing but come back, said, fuck this, I'm not getting cut, I'm going to play better. He's fighting dudes, he's scoring wow. goals, he's crushing it. Everybody loves him, except for the whole candy corn thing. And he's get rid of the candy corn thing. <laughs> garbage, garbage opinion there. Nick, but we miss a guy like Nick Felino or Cam Atkinson. Boone Jenner's here, but he's not like filling those shoes yet, in my opinion. Yeah. I, maybe he will, but the Nick Felino vibe is missed sorely here, I think. Yeah. See, that How guy was supposed to be big Jones? Eric Robinson with speed, but he has not turned out to be anything like Jeff Rimmer thought. 
<laughs> I don't think any of us have turned out to be anything like what Jeff Rimmer thought. No, he doesn't even know who we are. He, he doesn't even know who he's watching on the ice half the time. I I get so – let's talk about Rimmer for a second. Huh? I love <laughs> Jeff Rimmer, first of all. I do love Jeff Rimmer, first of all. I How think he's you not? a yeah. human being. But when he gets more excited – when the opposing team has opportunities than he does when the Blue Jackets have opportunities, when he's calling guys the wrong names, or he's just like telling a bullshit story when Sean Corrali has the puck in the middle of the ice shooting on net with nobody around him and just so nonchalant about it, it drives me nuts. It drives me nuts, and I know it drives other people nuts in the organization as well that should have his job right now. Not going to name any names. But, Laura, does it drive you nuts too? Oh, oh, the text that Jeremy gets when I have to watch a broadcast. I mean, God love Jody Shelley. Like, the patience of that man. Like, the patience of him to just be able – and sometimes he loses it. Like, sometimes he's just like – Rimmer, I can't. Like, I can't with you, like, ignoring what's happening on the game. Like, especially when Jody's down on the ice and, like, tr- like in the action and Jeff is just talking some nonsense from 45 years ago. But there's a certain part in every Blue Jackets game where it goes from a Blue Jackets broadcast to a broadcast of the other team. Right. And a right. lot of times it happens so much when we play the Capitals. And I know Alexander Ovechkin, greatest of all time. Like, I get it. But I don't care. Like, if we're playing the Capitals, I don't care. Like, talk about the Blue Jackets. I don't care if you tell me how much they suck. I already know that. But I do not give a crap about Alexander Ovechkin in right. that time period. Oh, he's I, real so shut up. <laughs> He's real bad when it comes to playing the Penguins too, because you would you would think Sidney Crosby was the best man at his damn wedding. Yes, there's always oh. one. There's always at least one player on every other team that Jeff Rimmer just loves the shit out of, and will never stop talking about them. Yeah, yeah it, it drives me nuts. I, I'll be sitting here watching the game with Danny, and and we'll be. Like he'll he'll do something, and I'll get, I'll just start yelling at the TV because Rimmer is like not paying attention to the game. Like, dude, pay attention to the game. You they fly you there. They fly you there to watch the game and tell us what's happening. Pay attention. Pay attention to the game that's happening in front of you. Oh my God! There was one. I think it was it last night or or was it last night or a few nights ago? Goal went in. Straight went in. He thought it went high over the net for some reason and like hit the glass and like the the puck never went anywhere else, like never went anywhere else, anywhere in the arena, except in the back of the net. And he goes, Oh, well then the penny shoots it high and it goes, well, where's the puck? Where is it? Oh, it went in. Oh no. Oh my gosh. It went in. And like, he just, just so it just kills everything. Like it's awful. Or my favorite is when Elvis is in net and Tara solves the backup and he keeps talking about how Corpy saved that one. Or if, Corpy's in net and Tarasov's the backup. We talk about what a great game Elvis had, or at some point he'll call either one of them Bobrovsky. I was going to say, yeah, don't just limit it to the guys on the active <laughs> roster. Like, yeah. yeah, You never really know. I'm, yeah. I'm pretty sure he's called Goudreau uh, Atkinson a few times this season as well. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, for sure. I and just like, thought, yeah. That all gives right. some grace. It's like, okay, for 10 years you were calling number 13 Cam Atkinson. Fine-ish-ish. If you do it once, like yeah. game two, but mid-season form rims. Right. Oh, Come I, on. I, yeah, we're halfway through, baby. Figure it out. 
I love the fact that Jody's actually started calling him out this year. Like the last couple of weeks or the last month. Yeah. Jody will just be like, that's not correct, Jeff. What it is is blah, blah, blah. <laughs> We've all been there because he right? knows it makes him look silly. He's like, yeah. I'm sitting up here with this old man, and he's just he's saying like, random things. Right. He's and like, I'm, dude, up here, I'm like, to work for the NHL. <laughs> he's like, I'm in the prime of my career, sir. Like, I would like to not look insane. I think so, it's only yeah. a matter of time before we see a change up there, but that's neither here nor there, right? So. Uh, let's move on here to the week that was. We'll just quickly go over some of these games that happened uh, over the last week since we recorded a podcast. What did we do it Monday or was it last? It was Monday, right? Well, yeah, we did it Monday. So we're going back to the Tampa game on Tuesday. All right. So starting there, Tampa game on Tuesday, January 11th, lost 6-3 to to Tampa. Uh, pretty much expected the score there of that one. Um, I didn't expect us to have three goals with Vasilevsky and net, but um, – Kucherov scores. I mean, I, we can go through all this here, but uh, do you guys have any thoughts or, or anything about what happened? Now, we we know of Tampa and that we've always been a thorn in their side, but uh, with the amount of injuries and everything, it just they're just no contest for those guys this season. I just think it was a big like lull in morale because we're, we're you know we're coming off Carolina where we found a way to win. We're coming off Washington where we didn't win, but like definitely played the best hockey that they probably played all season and then come into Tampa. And I know Jeremy will remind me of like, there's rules about how much time off they need to have, but like, you know, having this like lackadaisical day off in Tampa and coming in and just being like, all right, we're just going to see how this goes and <laughs> just like eating it. And I just think like a balloon popped, like this really tiny balloon had started to form after Washington where you're like, okay, you know, maybe everything's going to be fine. Elvis seemed to like a little bit better. And like, and then you go into Tampa and like Corpy has to leave because he's going to be a dad. So Elvis has to be a net and you're just like, all right. And then like this time, like it just goes out the window because we weren't prepared. Yeah. So, so uh, Bayreuther scores in this one. He, he's been kind of hot recently, scoring-wise. Um, not something that I thought I'd ever say on, on any podcast ever is Gavin Bayreuther is, is hot. Uh, oh, that's a Seattle Kraken legend, Gavin Bayreuther. <laughs> Seattle you Kraken legend. I forgot. His name. Um, yeah, and, uh, well, hey, he's falling subject to the, the age-old Blue Jacket issue, which is when you get hot, you get scratched. So didn't play, <laughs> that's right. didn't yeah, play against Detroit. So. Uh, that's because it's officially off. tanking season. That's right. <laughs> it's, it, that's the only explanation, right? That is the only explanation at this point. Um, Tim Burney also, big shout-out to Tim Burney getting his first NHL goal uh, in his career, um, bringing it back to 3-2 in that game. So at this point, Tim Burney scores our – we have – which – Good for Tim Burney. I am very, very excited for him, and, and I think he's going to be a good uh, depth player on this team. But the fact that our two goals, our first two goals in this game, came from two like AHL defensemen is is sad and, and concerning to me. Yeah, you need your guys to show up who you, who you expect to in these situations, right? And I'm sorry, it's no disrespect to players like Gavin Bayer or Tim Burney, but they aren't on my list of people I expect to show up when I need a goal. Like they're just not, and if they are, that's on me. We're uh, expecting because... we're expecting nights like last night from Line A, like that. Right. We're expecting a goal a night from Line A at this point, or Goudreau, or Boone, or Nyquist, or guys like that. Not fucking Tim Bernie, right? 
Yeah. So yeah. Uh, not quite. Not quite. Um, so yeah, so then Kirill uh Marchenko gets another goal as well. That's his ninth in 18 games, I believe he was at at that point. Um, half the games he's played in, he's he's got a goal, so that's pretty cool. Um we let's talk about let's just let's just jump into Marchenko really quick before we go into the rest of this because we us four went to Traverse City. We all hung out in Traverse City together. Uh, we watched Marchenko and Kent Johnson play together in Traverse City and and got to know these guys, got to meet them, got to talk to them after the games and and really like realize what kind of player I think Kent Johnson and Marchenko were at the same time. Now Marchenko get, finally gets an opportunity. I thought he was going to make the team out of camp, but he finally gets an opportunity to make the make the team and and is going off. Was this expected from you too? I don't think this year. I'm going to be honest with you. Like I, I definitely thought. Now, if memory serves me right, and I could be wrong, I think his transition to the North American game is is helped out a little bit by the fact that I'm pretty sure that his KHL team actually played on North American size ice. Oh, I think I could be. That could be coming out of my ass. Like I could be wrong, <laughs> but. Um, but well, essentially, no, that's that's one hundred percent a fact. That's correct. You're you're not talking out of your ass. I don't know if it was North American size, but they had one of the smaller sheets smaller. of ice in the KHL. Yeah, and so I mean that obviously helps his transition a little bit. I when when he got assigned to the when he got assigned to the AHL, I felt like he was going to spend most of the season there. Now his success <laughs> in the AHL that didn't come as a as a huge surprise to me. He's the kind of player that ultimately like his size his his just overall 200 foot game like that translates really well to the AHL but his success in the NHL it, it's taken me by a little bit of a surprise I, I'm so used to you know rookies coming into Columbus and not being able to find their their swag too quickly right like that's the piece that I was most worried about for him was is he going to come into Columbus especially I mean like the further we get into the season before he gets called up, like the more grim the season looks, right? I mean, like, I don't know when, like exactly what point of the season he was called up, but I can tell you for sure that I think everybody in Columbus had pretty much written off the season. And so at that point, I'm like, keep him in Cleveland, let him produce there. He's not going to produce in Columbus. And he proved me wrong. And I'm happy he has, but I, I didn't have this peg. Uh, I thought this was going to be more of what we saw from him year two, year three in the NHL. So this is, this is a step in the right direction. I think developmentally for the Jackets. Yeah, 100% agree there. Laura, do you have anything to add to that? Oh, I was just going to add that. I mean, I think we all saw early on too, like just his general demeanor as yes. a player is one of the, I mean, he is a little bit older. So, and he's like we've said, he's had time professional level hockey, but he just enjoys being here and like getting to play. Like his general demeanor all the time is, I'm just happy to be here. Like, whatever you want me to do. I'll do it. Um, when I do well, I'm excited. Like, you know, he does, he definitely doesn't seem to have like the, I think Igor Chinnikov was a little bit more like standoffish because of the language barrier, but Marchenko's like, screw it. I'll speak whatever kind of English you want me to try and speak. And I just am glad I get to play hockey and score some goals. And here I am. You. Uh, he got the hat trick last week and, and had the interview with Jody Shelley after the game, uh, after he got the first star. And the first thing he said was, sorry, my English is not is not very good to everybody in the arena, everybody on national TV, all that. And Jody goes, no, your English is fine. And he did the same thing to me when I interviewed him. I don't know. Did you guys talk to him at all up there? Not in, in Traverse City. 
not interview wise. He it, it is it is adorable how he immediately apologizes for his bad English, but he still speaks English. So like any English is good English. I don't know two languages. I tried to learn two languages. I can't do it. So anybody that knows one language and then learns English as a second, being one of the harder languages to learn, is is pretty good in my book. I think so. I just think it's always so cute when he tries to like apologize for that, but. I agree. I agree with you, Laura. Every his whole demeanor, the way he just approaches the game, I, I it's amazing to me. I think another key factor with him, though, is if you remember when he came over to to developmental camp before Traverse City, uh, I think it was Dave Metzold or Jeff Sabota. It may have been both, but they were like, "The shot is for real. the The shot we've been hearing about is for real." Then he goes to Traverse City. He's the only guy that scored in every game at Traverse City, including the overtime winner against Toronto. Yeah, that's right. And then. He comes to regular camp and doesn't look bad, was like the last guy cut. Goes to the AHL, doesn't pout, lets the – because it always seemed like there was a speed issue of adjusting to the NHL speed. And he adjusted in Cleveland. He was even drawing up plays on the damn power play in Cleveland. And dare I say that maybe the Blue Jackets handled his development correctly – and let everything come to him before they brought him up. Yeah, that's the thing about this is I'm watching them handle development of a couple of players really well, and I'm watching them handle the development of others really poorly. I'm thinking like David Yurichek, I think, is a perfect example of how to do it right. Like I, he does not need to be in Columbus right now. Like it might get us a win or two more, but I don't need him here. I feel the same way about Carell. I think they did exactly what they needed to let him play it down there. And to your point. He didn't pout. Like, that's the piece I think that, like, we see oftentimes. And I think we're a little bit traumatized in Columbus when we talk about guys who we've drafted and we've tried to develop kind of being these diva assholes who are, like – Especially Russians, huh? Yeah, I'm thinking about, like, Nikita Filatov. Like, yeah, like, uh, Nikita Filatov, Nikolai Zherdev. Zherdev. Like, we can go on. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, we've if, if we have time, we could do it. It might be a whole other show of Russians gone wrong in Columbus. But, yeah, I mean, I, I can appreciate the, the development here of Kuro. Yeah, 100% agree. Uh, we could go into a whole conversation about Russians from Columbus, right? So it's Russians, yeah, for sure. Uh, but anyways. Refusing to play goalie. Uh, whatever. It's, well, $10 million in South Beach will do something to you, buddy. Uh, anyways, moving on to the to the next game here. Uh, Thursday, this last game on Thursday, 6-2 to two loss to the Canes. Uh, this is after coming off a 4-3 victory in the shootout uh, the week before to them. Um pretty much just got just got the shit kicked out of the entire game. Like there, there was really, there's really nothing to talk about here uh, besides the Carolina hurricanes are one of the best teams in the league and the blue jackets are one of the worst teams in the league. And that is exactly what happened here. I do want to talk about one thing in this game. And that was that second goal, that second goal, their defender had his stick across Corpy's blocker side to where he could, or glove side to where he couldn't even slide back to the right. No goaltender interference call, didn't even look at it. Coaching staff didn't even think of challenge it. It's the point where I went, okay, we know what we're we doing. We know what's going on here. Yeah. We're not trying to stop goals from happening against us at this point. And it's uh it's it's pretty obvious. Uh Goudreau did score in this one. Uh so did Corrali. Um Corrali not the Goudreau is more of the headline here with that with his goal, but uh the more Goudreau scores, the better our all-star as everybody knows. Right. So uh, I would just love if he could score on the road. Like right. if he could score in a road game, that would be just, there was a, 
There was a point in this season where he had only scored at home, and I think maybe he's still only scored at home this year. No, but he, he scored in one one road game. One away game. What you're yes. talking about is at one point, all of his goals at home came at the one end of the, the ice. One, the shoot twice in, in Nationwide yeah. Arena. Only on one end of the ice at home. It was un- like, like first, seven. first nine goals or something like that. Just he's a picky ridiculous. bitch. Jesus Christ. I know. <laughs> very, very picky. Yeah. It's, but those goals he scored were so beautiful. And it was yeah. just amazing. Because, you know, Boomer sits in 111, which is the shoot twice. And right. Like, right. It was having it right in front of me. I wasn't going to see every single one of them. And they were all so great. Yeah. I just thought it was so very picky. Yes. I agree with that. He he was really showing that cannon who's the boss, I think. He was just scoring every goal at that end with the cannon. Well, maybe that was the whole plan is he wanted to keep his eye on the cannon. <laughs> Because he's because he's afraid of it. He's like, if my back is to it, I won't know when it happens. Yeah, I would encourage him to score more of his goals on the road where there is no cannon. Damn yeah, it. Like, no, yeah. Can I? I can I just be the first to, and and first to say that I am so glad we're done with the uh, Goudreau. How do you like the cannon questions? Those were so play. Oh my god, the first two months of him being here was nothing but cannon questions. Find something new. I, well, even in the, I think it was the was it the Christmas car the NHL's Christmas car that they had him like yeah. by the cannon or like hugging the cannon or yeah, something. I'm like, it, he's fine. <laughs> he was sitting under it, covering his ears. Yes. All right, I have to know what what is the line? What's the number on the over under amount of questions that he gets about it at the All Star game? Oh my God! Oh, I'm gonna set a line. I'd say six and a half over. Yeah, I'll take the under to be a little bit of a of a separatist here, but yeah, no, it's going to be over. It's going to be a lot regardless, there's, I think. I mean, there's eight that, teams national, in his these, old division, and all eight teams from the Pacific are going to ask him. Absolutely, yeah. The, these national reporters don't – like they haven't asked him since he first got traded here or since he was traded. Oh, my God, I can't believe I just said that. That's since he first signed him. here, uh, they haven't I, I had a chance to ask him since, so they got to ask him again, right? I mean, Well, this, and – he makes his grand return to Cal. We'll talk about it, I'm sure, in the week to come. But yes. uh, he's got his grand return on, on Monday in Calgary. So I can only imagine that he's probably going to get a question or two about it there as well. He'll be like, I, I love I think the Calgary talkie. press is going to refuse to talk to him. <laughs> yeah, they're not very big fans of Goudreau up there still. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> All right, moving on to the next, uh, next and last game here uh, from last night, Saturday, January 14th. Um, Against the Detroit Red Wings, that was a W, 4-3. to three. Uh, Great game overall, in my opinion. Patrick Laine with the hat trick. Uh, who scored? Gavrikov scored his third of the season, his third or fourth of the season. Third, I think. Third, only one um, not in overtime. The only one, yeah, the only not overtime goal were a game-winning goal. Uh, so, yeah. You're, you're missing a very big thing that happened, though. Yeah. Mill Bimstrom got an assist on the Gavrikov right. goal. Bringing yes. Bemmer Watch down to four zero. That's right. Bemmer Watch is down to forty now. Forty more points, and and uh, Little Boomer buys a Bemstrom jersey. Just needs one uh, a game. You're one gonna buy game, one anyways. We all know it, so it's fine. Even though you hated him at the beginning of the season, uh, you know it's it's cool. I have no idea what you're talking about. Right, right, right. Uh, by the way, our, uh, my Marchenko jersey is in the mail. It's on its way to me right now. I cannot wait to be putting that on my back. Anyways. Uh, so yeah, uh, Detroit last night. Any thoughts on that? Um, kind of a weird third period, but still pulled it out anyways. Yeah, it was it was tough. I actually 
was a little late recording this one because I was actually driving back from the east side. I live up in Grand Rapids, so I, I went over to Detroit and, and checked that. That's game right. Out that's right. Night. I forgot to mention that. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, you're all good. You're all good. And so it was it was fascinating to watch because it was just like like you said, like the first two periods. Can I even uh, you know? coming into the third period, I was waiting in the, in the portal to come back up. And at that point, I think it was still four nothing. Uh, and a couple of Red Wings fans were like, all right, I don't mean to be an asshole, but like, did you see this coming? And I was like, Oh no, 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 no. Like you, no. You, like you talk to the right guy. Like I'm not a Homer in that kind of way. Like, absolutely. I didn't see this coming. I thought I just wasted a hundred bucks to go watch the jackets lay an egg at, at little Caesars arena. Like that was fully what I had come to terms with, but but yeah, I mean, it was that third period, man. I being in that building, I that is like one of the more like anxious moments of my <laughs> hockey fandom. Was like, they're gonna score this fourth goal, and this building's gonna blow up. I mean, it was loud. It was really loud for for uh, a while there at the end of that third period, and it felt like they were gonna will their way into tying that one up, taking it to overtime, and. You know, thankfully we avoided it. I mean, you know, God forbid. I don't even want to know what what hockey Twitter would have looked like if we would have fucked that one up. And and but it and, was you know, almost it, expected, I think. Yeah. Right? I mean, oh. you're watching those three goals go in. And it's like, oh, here comes the fourth. It's only and they almost did. It's only it, it's only a matter of time before this fourth one goes in. As Blue Jackets fans, we were expecting it. Well, and I'm sitting next to these, so I in this weird like congregation of people there were like a couple of jackets fans behind me but then the guy i was sitting next to he was like oh my main team is the penguins i'm like fuck off and then there was a guy sitting in front of us he was like my main team is the leafs i said <laughs> fuck off uh so it's like this weird group and like hearing their commentary of the game was interesting because the guy next to me who's a pens fan is like um you know elvis makes a save and he's like man that guy's a fucking brick wall and i was like if you only knew my guy like i was like i <laughs> like i was like uh, oh man, it was just fascinating to listen to the to the reactions from from the Detroit fans just around. I mean, they were already writing off the win uh, when I was sitting there, you know, first intermission, grabbing a beer. The guys behind me were like, "We fucking suck. We're gonna lose this fucking game." Like all that kind of stuff. And I was like, "You've got us right where you want us." Yep, <laughs> right where you want. Us. I actually live bet that game at the second intermission because not too long ago they were down four nothing after two and they come back and beat Pittsburgh five four in overtime. I'm telling my brother who made his first sports bet ever and he took the Red Wings well, minus one and a half. I'm like, dude, you're safe. You're safe. I know that dude, you're safe. Yeah. I told him as it's getting closer and closer. I said, if they can score this third one with about four minutes to go, this game's over. And they scored with 404. I was like, oh, dude, this this is going to be bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So it wasn't, though. So we're good. Uh, we won that game, I guess. Um, we're, we're all good to go. Uh, but no, it, are we good to go? Should we have lost that game? Should, why did they come out? What, what happened last night to the point where they came out, competed so well? Is it Boone Jenner? Is he the reason? Like, what happened last night that now this is the team we kind of thought we had, right? Like, what happened? I'm giving full credit to Boone Jenner. <laughs> I don't know right. with my hands. I yeah. mean, the attitude, and because he's been present, like, in the locker room with them, even with his broken hands. But, like, there's something about him putting his his whole outfit back on and, like, being like, I'm going out in this shit situation with all of you again. Let's do it, but let's do it with a little bit of class. 
and like yeah. actually try. And that's the other thing, because if we're right about this whole like doing well situation and whoever does well is going to get knocked down, are we weirdly Because, I mean, they didn't start him back on the top line. They put him on the second line. And so it's like if Boone gets his mojo back, are we going to see them knock him out of being in between, you know, hopefully Patrick and Johnny? But I, I'm giving his, like, energy the credit for last night. Yeah, Kyle called that one out on Twitter, and I totally quote tweeted him and said, somebody please go find Kyle. He's been drinking. <laughs> and for 40 minutes, I looked wrong. You know, after 20, I even replied back. I'm like, let's let's get through the second period because we know what happens in the second period of Blue Jackets hockey. And then we got through the second period. I was like, oh, shit. Then the goals started going in. I'm like, okay, here we go. Now yeah. we can have fun with this on Twitter. And you're all dreading Blue Jackets Twitter. I would have been that guy. Oh, without a doubt. You would have been the one that would have given me a smile, though, like because I know where oh, your yeah. heart is. But Exactly. I, it would have been all sarcasm. Oh, yeah, <laughs> without a doubt. But, I mean, even even still, like, I, Boone Jenner, obviously, like, having him back on the ice and, like, having him, first of all, uh, breaking news, we can win a fucking face-off. Uh, this ah, yeah. Capable of winning face-offs. Um, but apparently only when 38's on the ice. Uh, but, I mean, he, he had more ice time than Jack Roslovic. I mean, it was one of those things where – you know, even even still not skating between, you know, Patty and Johnny. I mean, he – I will say you could kind of tell it was his first game back. Like, I mean, like he wasn't like – didn't do anything crazy, wasn't exactly like, you know, obviously stays off the scoreboard, stays off the score sheet. But him just being a presence there I think matters. Like right. he's he one of those guys the that – little things. Yeah, when 100%. He's doing the little things. 100%. I think I think on Twitter, I, like everybody, the artillery, myself, uh, Portsline – Jeff Svoboda, everybody tweeted, um, like, on his first shift, oh, Boone's hitting people again. So, like, here we go. We're back. You know what I mean? So, it, it, I think you're right. It was the energy, the little things that that, that the team woke up, it, it felt like, last night in those first two periods and realized, hey, uh, we can play hockey, too. We, we don't need to get, you know, fucking blown out every single night. So, um, th- another thing about last night, too, of speaking of players on, on being injured and being at the games, Zach Wierenski uh was in the booth last night with Rimmer and uh and Jody Shelley um what did you guys think about that I it feels like he is his personality to me is just so bland like he it's just it's hard to talk to him I feel like and then and then they keep talking about him being part of the leadership group uh on the team and I just do not see him being part of that leadership group is there you guys have any thoughts on that about Warinsky and like his role that he plays with all of that I have lots of thoughts. <laughs> um, my, because my background is in marketing and communications, and it drives me absolutely insane that they use Zach Wierenski for anything. Like, I understand he signed a long term contract, and that was like a really good, like, sign for the Blue Jackets. And I appreciate him for that. I really do. But he has the personality of oatmeal. And I just like, it boggles my mind that Jets uses him at, like, I know he's from Michigan and they're like Detroit style pizza or whatever, but like he, like pick Nick Blankenberg, like switch, switch spokespeople Jets pizza, because at least Nick has like some personality, but I had never been so excited for the fact that like Johnny 
I mean, I know they sent Zach this this fall because Johnny's wife was pregnant and he didn't want to leave. But I'm excited that Johnny or even Patrick will be the face when they do all the preseason NHL interviews like for us because I can't handle it anymore. He's so boring. And he just, he talks like Eeyore and he has absolutely. <laughs> not Eeyore. He admitted too, like he, he absolutely admitted on live TV that he has not been watching all of the games. Like he, he absolutely. <laughs> no, 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 no. Did no, he really? No, he, he a hundred percent said he's been watching our games, not all hockey games. I think later though, he said something about he's missed a few, like he's missed a few games or something like, I heard him at the beginning, but I think like towards the end, he said something like that. I don't know, man. It, it almost just feels like to me when it comes to Warinsky, like he would not have been here if he did not get offered nine and a half million dollars. He he didn't really want or maybe that's just his personality. I don't know. I Maybe it goes it, both ways. Yeah. And it's one of those things where like you've got guys in this league that like you always hear people talk about being these like, you know, not only are they they highly skilled and really great at what they do, but they also are just like lovers of the game. Right. And I think like, you know, I don't know that that fully like translates to to Zach, right? Like I don't know that I like sit there and think, you know, you know who I know loves hockey like a lot, like and can tell me anything about what's going on in the league right now. Like I don't think I would say Zach Wierenski. Like I, it's to your point, Laura. I am excited for the Jackets to maybe hopefully pivot in a different direction in terms of marketing these. Players. Even if it's even if it's Patrick, like I know Patrick has like kind of a like even keel tone about him but if you get him on those dry humor like moments oh yeah yeah like he's he's magnetic zach doesn't have those capabilities like it's just it's not a thing so i will be happy and if they send him again i'm writing a letter um because <laughs> i just i can't we have we have too much personality to waste it on him yeah, I mean, uh, a guy like Patrick Lane, his deadpan delivery is dead. Oh, so funny. He's but hilarious, I just wish, yes. Yeah, I wish a guy like Gabrikov would have took that next step because that's the guy you want to talk to. I, I, I think he will, but I disagree. I think Gabrikov was part of a lot of the marketing, like, going through. Now, it wasn't well, as He good. is now, but he's not when we do league events. He's definitely part of our marketing locally with the fifth line helpline and stuff like that but he has not went to one league event and that's okay. sad because that dude's personality sells itself. Yeah. And enjoy him while you got him. Cause it's only a matter of time. Uh, anyways, moving on. Um, so la last thing here before we move on to the week ahead, uh, Boone and Robinson last night, like we talked about uh, somebody we forgot to mention, uh, Eric Robinson came back from IR as well last night. Um, played, played. Okay. I mean, he was Did all right. He? he was noticeable, I guess. Was he? Yeah, he he made a few hits. I guess he beat out an icing or two. I believe the uh, I guess was telling Kyle, like you saying I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Like great. I wrote the show flow and forgot he was back until you just said it. There, you're right. I mean, I wasn't going to talk about him, right? So whatever. But my thing with Robinson is, I think he has to play. I think he needs to start playing with Goudreau to see what he can actually do. That's that's my opinion. Uh, those two grew up together. They grew up playing hockey together. Uh, their their parents are friends. Robinson grew up with the Goudreaux, all of these things. So I, I I think that that should be a thing. I don't know. 
everyone else has played on the top line. Why not throw Robinson up there? I was going to say, I don't think there's any reason. Like, I can't give you a good enough defense as to why that couldn't work, like, or why we shouldn't try it. Like, at this point, it's just a matter of who hasn't been in that seat yet. It's because Robinson's name has not got drawn out in the top three of the hat when we're setting lines. Well, yes. if it makes him be able to not overskate a puck and actually shoot it, I'm all for it. And where does he shoot it? Where does he shoot it? To the moon! <laughs> to the moon, yeah, baby. That's, that's what he does. Uh, all right. So the week ahead, uh, next four weeks – or next four weeks, Jesus. Next four games coming up this week. Um Go uh, to Nationwide Arena this Monday. That's tomorrow against the New York Rangers. Artemi Panarin is back in town. Um, what was it, the previous game this year, October twenty third at the uh, at the Rangers? Jackets won five to one. I remember that game very well uh, because Tarasov of how well they played. That's right. Yeah, Tarasov's I, first. Um, what I cling on to. It's like what I hold on to when I remember right. this team as bad as they are. Yeah, so Tarasov's first dub there. Uh, maybe he'll play. Is has anybody seen? Is is he who's starting tomorrow? Is it Tarasov? Is it Elvis? Is Corpy still the backup? It like what's going on? Depends if Corpy's back or not because he left Detroit for personal reasons, probably because of the baby. So yeah, that would make sense. But yeah, might be Jet Grief season. Any any predictions? Anything you think is going to happen tomorrow with that? I predict pain. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, that, know. I don't know that they're doing that well. The, we I, hey, I mean, Rangers, New York. Eh, Rangers are on a little bit of a heater right now. Are they? Okay. Do, do we honestly think we're going to have like two good games in a row and three out of the last four? Yeah, Probably not. possibly. We'll see. Don't, don't uh, everybody disagree at once. <laughs> no, I, I don't can, know. I, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yes. I can guarantee that they'll boo Artemi Panarin. <laughs> That's, yeah, I was gonna ask. That was I don't know. Are we, are we not past that yet? What? Are we not past booing Artemi Panarin? Like what? he did his time here. He, he got to leave. He did his time and he left. Whatever. I was never on the boo Artemi Panarin train. If I'm being honest with you, I, I know was. Laura. Yes. Yeah, were you? I, I never booed him. You are. You are still anti Artemi Panarin. I am, I, but that's for personal reasons. But I never, I never booed him at a game. I don't one, believe in it. Yeah, I can say one, I did not boo him either. I chose just not to acknowledge him. Sure. Fair enough. That's fair. Yeah, like, like he cho- like he chose not to acknowledge uh, English questions while he was right. here, That's, even though he spoke him. English. He still does. Like, Ask him yourself. Yeah, he perfect. He's English. very <laughs> sneaky, pretending he doesn't speak English. That's. Very sneaky of him. But that's, I mean, in part, and I know that we all have talked about this together, like, not on a show. Like, in part, I kind of blame that on the Columbus media, too, for, like, not ever, like, pushing that issue. But that's beside the point. I yeah. Think, I, one I thing, would say oh, soft is a word I would use for a lot of the media around. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, there, there's some questions that have been asked recently that have been some harder questions. So I'll give some credit there. But sure. uh, Mark she- Mark Scheig and and Hedger have been asking some decent questions recently, but overall it just feels like we're just, we're playing ball here for the most point, not really journal doing very, very team friendly journalism. Yeah. Which call that what you will. So uh, starts with a P anyways, uh, (laughs) Tuesday, (laughs) Tuesday, uh, next game coming up Tuesday. That is at Nashville Um, for all of, all of you making the trip to Nashville for that trip. Have a great trip. I think, Boomer, you were supposed to go to that. Yeah, you had to cancel your trip, didn't you? Yeah, that was the water main break game. That's right. That's right. Oh, this is the makeup game. Yeah. Uh, 
That's right. You have it here in the show flow. I just can't read. I'm sorry. Uh, Tuesday national for the makeup waterman game. Um, last time we played the the Predators, we beat them five to three. So, how do you guys think it's going to go this time? What is our record at Nashville? Does anyone know? It's bad. Jer- bad. Yeah, we. It's been years, hasn't it, Jeremy? Since we've won a game at Bridgestone. I don't know. We. I feel like we had to have the year that we were in that like COVID year where we played the eight times. Like, I can't imagine we went zero and four. Did we? We <laughs> probably, probably did. One of the two times we won down there. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I'd have to look at the overall record, but I think it's like, like it's it's very very bad, like ten and forty bad, something bad. Something. I think it's it's like nine and a whole bunch and like three, because I don't think we have got to double digit victories down there in the bajillion times we've played. Jeremy looks like he's doing some research, so we'll we'll just try my best. Okay, we'll just we'll just move on until until he finds that. Just whenever you find it, just chime in here. so the next one after that, Thursday at home versus the Ducks, uh, another one of the worst teams in the league. I think they're another bottom three team right now, um, even with Zegris and all of that. So it's uh, – have not played them yet this year. This is the start of our West Coast swing. No, these um, are home. At home. Right. Yeah, Anaheim. At, I'm sorry. Yeah. The West Coast swing comes later. I'm sorry. This is at home. Uh, how do you think that goes? Well, I think since we're fighting them for a lottery pick, we'll probably beat them pretty handily because that's what we do and win meaningless games that'll screw us at the end. We got Boone back. So, yeah, we're beating everybody now. Boone's back. Now we beat everybody. That's how it goes. Right? That's how yeah. it was with Seth Jones. That's how it is with Boone Jenner. You know, <laughs> Seth's out. We lose. Seth's in. We win. It is what it is. Boone's this out. This will probably be the game that, you know, literally will put Anaheim below us to where we're third from last and they'll be second from last you know what would not surprise me at the end of this season would be them going like on some kind of winning streak and and getting like the sixth best sixth best odds uh for for the for the top pick and it just like what like nothing mattered then this season like everything just sucks i'll I'll throw another theory at you we finish fourth (laughs) where we're still getting one of the top five and somebody moves up in front of us, so we draft fifth, and we don't get the top four guys. Yep. Yeah, I know. I feel that. Um, also, by the way, nine, 34, one, and six. So, Boomer, you were on it with nine wins. But nine times have they won in Nashville, and that hurts. Yeah, not good. We've never this played well This is the year, Nashville. baby. This is the year. <laughs> can't wait until our – on the jackets Tuesday. I know our 22nd season will be the the year we finally cross cross the double digit threshold for wins in Nashville. Yeah, in the in the year that we're actually trying to lose games. Yeah, I feel it. that I would feel be this would be the year to do it. Uh, all right, Thursday at Anaheim and or at home versus Anaheim, and then Saturday uh, also home versus San Jose Sharks. Have not played yet this year. Um, another bad team. They're not doing well either. I don't know. I I see. I probably see a dub out of the Blue Jackets. I see them going on like a on a on a nice little streak here. To be honest say, with you, I say pick your poison. When we play Anaheim and San Jose, we will destroy one of them. Morale will be so high that everybody will come in for the next game thinking we're going to do it again, and so like that six one victory turns out the next game to be a five two loss. Yeah, you're not you're not entirely wrong about that. So. I mean, all I right. Think uh, the Ducks can score, though. Like that's what makes they can. They, they have like Zegers is good, and they have 
some older guys on there that can score, but what, I mean, them only having two more points in the Blue Jackets this season, something's going terribly John, wrong over there. John Gibson is Swiss cheese, dude. Well, I was going to say, yeah, they have two more points in the Jackets, but uh, their goal differential this season, the Jackets are at minus 58, which is bad. The, They're like the at 80? 81. 81. Yeah, minus 81. That is crazy. Wow, they're, that's so bad. You're losing go- games by two two goals every game. They're and somehow Elvis game. is still worse than John Gibson statistically. It doesn't make any sense. Nothing not. makes sense. I don't understand what's going on. We're in the upside down. All right. So I want to talk to you guys about how you kind of got started with all of this. This is a really niche kind of thing that people do. Uh, us four, we, we – I don't know. It's a small group of people that do what we do uh, right now. So what, what got you started in this? Let me first start by asking Laura, what, what made you start loving hockey so much and what made you like want to record your thoughts and give it to everybody? Yeah. So this is kind of like my hockey story is actually kind of probably the best way to describe how we ended up doing the show. Um, So Jeremy and I have been friends for seven years Seven years we met, give or take. Uh, And we met working at um, Otterbein University. And essentially what was happening is he was a season ticket holder. And in December 2017, it was winter break. So all of his normal like hockey friends were gone for break. And he just was like, I need someone to go to a game with me. Will you please just go? And I was like, I don't really want to like I don't like sports like sports were not my thing and I was like hockey's violent like I don't know and he just was like will you please just come like I just need you to come and he basically showed up at my apartment and was like you're coming I don't care um and so he brought me to my first Blue Jackets game on December 20th 2017 and I would say two periods in and I was like this is it for me. I <laughs> I have found the the piece of my heart that was missing, and it is Blue Jackets hockey. Um, and the obsession kind of like literally grew from there. I think six or seven games in, I already had a favorite player. Um, and I was reading like on my breaks at work, I was reading like hockey articles and looking up stats and all this sort of stuff. And as he will proudly admit, he created a monster. Um, And (laughs) no way a monster. Come on. (laughs) Trust me. When I, when I get on certain things, he's like, God, I wish I hadn't done this to you. Um, But, and yeah, it just sort of spurred on, like we kept going and we had, you know, the 2019 or 18, 19 season that was like, incredible and we you know we're there for game four when we swept tampa and like i'm on this huge like sports high and then 2020 hit like a brick wall um and the last game that we actually went to went to together was my birthday game that year in 2020 it's like february 29th or something like that and at that point, you know, everything was so normal. Like it was the most normal game. And then it just all ended. Like it just all went away so quickly. And we decided, like we were talking, we really, really missed going to games together. Cause that was honestly like 
one of the majority of the time that we would spend together as friends, especially because he moved to Athens to go to grad school. And, you know, one day, one day he called because Jeremy, and I'm going to let him continue up with the story in a second, but Jeremy does a lot of thinking in the shower. I do. And like a lot of his ideas come from the shower. So he called me one day. what we're calling it? Thinking? (laughs) Yeah, we're not going to use the other ING verb that happens. Yeah, we're we're keeping this PG at this point. Um, <laughs> but so he called me on a Saturday and was like, I was just in the shower. And I was like, so what kind of thinking were you doing? <laughs> and <laughs> to, to which I was like, yeah. yeah, subjectively speaking was born. And I will kind of let him take the reins in the story from here. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I was actually doing a podcast before, subjectively speaking, it was it was a one-man show, and I was talking a lot, I care a lot about, like, I took this class in college that was about how society and sports, like, just kind of, like, blend together, and just how important e- each one is to the other, and so for me, I was doing a lot of that, I was talking about, like, what are the off-the-ice things that are happening in hockey that matter to people, and you know, how does it relate to the sport? And so I was, I was enjoying that. And I still enjoy talking about that stuff, but I more so was like, I kind of just want to talk about the blue jackets. Like I miss, like, I obviously like, that's my team. I love them. I like, I know them. Right. And so I had been thinking about it for a while. And, and to Laura's point, I mean, like with COVID and everything just shutting down and, you know, I'm sure you guys feel this way. And I know Kyle, especially like with the artillery, I'm sure this was kind of that space for you too, which was like, we just weren't like, we would spend a lot of times talking about games on our way home from the games. We would be unpacking it and all that kind of stuff. And, and we were like, let's just like put that somewhere for people to hear. Right. And so, uh, you know, the idea for subjectively speaking came to my brain, like the name for it in the shower, like Laura mentioned, but outside of that, I think it was just more so just like wanting to like basically just talk about what we just saw and, and kind of like make it feel like we were at least like, still a part of it in the same way that you feel like when you're at a game right and so you know we were crazy for the first time laura was what at least the first season that we did the show we would record a recap episode after every fucking game which was actually a terrible idea like that was like a terrible That's so much work yeah oh it's so I much know. Work. and i think we're at like we're at like 155, like 153, 154 episodes, like in only like two years of doing the show, just because for the first year we were like releasing an episode like four times a week sometimes. And so glad we're not doing that anymore. Um, but that's just kind of how it all started. And, and eventually people started listening. Uh, we got reached out to by the Hockey Podcast Network, which is the network that we're on now. And, uh, you know, it's, since then it's been cool to just be a part of that community and just kind of like, especially like, I think to your point, Kyle, like with how niche this is, like this like group of people who uh, have enough like self-hatred to talk about the Blue Jackets constantly. Uh, <laughs> we're a small group. So like even now, just yeah. like connecting with you guys and like getting to know you guys, I think that's even like taking this whole thing to the, to another level over the course of the last 100%. Year. Yeah. And now, now I know you guys have um, definitely you, you've interviewed people like Yarmo, Rick Nash. Um, you've won awards. What, what, what have you, what have you thought of that kind of stuff? Cause I know when I interviewed people for the first time, I was like shaking in my boots, but what winning awards and, and, and doing that, like you won the Columbus podcast award, right? Is that what it was called? This? Yeah. 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 We won uh, the 2022 best entertainment podcast of the year. It's stupid. Like it's all stupid. <laughs> like winning, like doing that stuff. Like, well, I, I mean, people vote on it though. So it's not oh, like yeah. that, 
people it's not stupid people yeah, no i mean not, not so much the winning the award was stupid but like i think like i just have these moments where i'm just like how it like this is dumb like why is this happening the way it yeah, is what, like, yeah like, like a, what just happened yeah it's a good it's a good stupid but it's just like you I know like you. you said i mean uh you know growing up especially like for me right i actually was just at my dad's and i found uh, my first hockey jersey ever was a Rick Nash jersey, right? I think anybody who's around, you know, my age who grew up watching the Blue Jackets, like Rick Nash was probably one of your first hockey heroes. And to be able to interview him at Traverse City, I mean, that, like, I, that, I don't know if it gets much better. Like, no hate to Yarmo. Like, that was fun and all. But, like, Rick Nash, like, are you kidding me? Like, it, this, it's been a lot of fun. And that's, like, the thing that I think I reflect on more than anything. And, and I hope that everybody here agrees, all, the, all four of us, is, like, this is just a lot of fun to do. Like, never take yourself too seriously and just have fun talking about the team that you love. And when you get to talk to guys that, that make it happen, that's all the more cool, but it's just a fun thing to do. Yeah. yeah. I, go ahead, Laura. Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, if you would have asked us when we first started the show, like honest to God, like that we would be where we are right now, we both would have laughed at you because Truly, it's it's a miracle with him having diagnosed ADHD and me being basically undiagnosed ADHD that this show even made it like past the first few weeks. Like the mere fact that like we and that I think is a testament to how much fun we do have doing this show. Um, and and also that my insecurities haven't ended the show in some way because <laughs> Oh, no, they did almost because when he moved to Michigan, because for those people that don't know, Jeremy and I live in different states. So when he moved to Michigan, I had I was set and determined that he was going to have this like long drawn out conversation with me about how we were no longer going to do the show and like that my whole world was just going to crumble. So we ended up fighting on the way back to Ohio after we moved him to Michigan uh, <laughs> because I was so convinced that he was just going to be like, I'm in Michigan now and I don't care about anything in Ohio, blah, blah, blah. Um, but thankfully he has uh, survived my crazy and <laughs> we're doing things that we never thought possible with the show. So. All right, so we know how your hockey origin started going to a game with Jeremy. What first got you into hockey and Blue Jackets specific, Jeremy? Yes, I – oh, God, I don't even know how old I would have been. My my dad took me to a game. It was – I think that's, like, the thing. I don't know if you all remember when the Jackets used to have that really, like, shitty tagline that was, like, gotta see it live or whatever it was. But, like, it's real. Like, there's a lot of truth to that. I don't even know if I remember watching Blue Jackets games before my dad took me to one. And, you know, I, I still remember roughly where we were sitting. I want to say we are probably sitting in, like, 215 at Nationwide, and it was a game against the Wild – and we were we were losing and it was i think we were down three two toward the back half of the third period and you know they tie it up it's three three and my dad turns to me and he was like hey like you might get to see like extra hockey like you might get to see like this extra thing free hockey and, yeah right free hockey right and so he says that to me and only like a minute or two later sergey fedorov which is like still like i it blows my mind to say he was a blue jacket always whenever i bring it up to people i like saying it to wings fans specifically just to piss them off but but he scored a game-winning goal like in the third period in regulation jackets won the game four to three and that was just kind of the thing i mean like that's just i mean 
such an exciting environment to be in and, and nationwide, you know, the entire time the Jackets have been around when, when the Jackets win, that building is a lot of fun. And, and, you know, you're a kid and you see that and it's just like, you're hooked instantly. And from there, uh, the year that the Jackets uh, made the playoffs for the first time was uh, my dad bought in, did the whole quarter season tickets just so he could guarantee a ticket to that first playoff series. And so uh, I can just remember how pissed off I was as like a, Oh God, that was an 08, 09, right? So 09. So I was an 11 year old. I just remember how pissed off I was sitting like in the stands, like watching the Jackets get their, get their shit rocked against the Red Wings. And that was like when I knew that this was all going to go downhill really fast. So uh, it's been great. It's, it, I, I love it. It's, I, I'm, I've always been a huge sports fan, right? So like never having a team like in my hometown to then be able to like really latch on and have that team, like that was just, I mean, doesn't get better than that. Yeah, for sure. There, there really is nothing better than that. That's kind of how I came up too. Was uh, my dad taking me to games back when you know when they when they were first here, and just like some of my childhood memories being uh, the la- the last you know twenty seconds of a game, the Blue Jackets have possession of the puck on defense, and and we're up by a goal, so everybody gets up and starts clapping, and and we win the game. The cannon get ah shit. Back then we didn't have a cannon yet, so that's. Uh, before the first game I went to, we didn't have a cannon yet. So the cannon wasn't going off yet, but everybody's clapping. But, you know, everybody's – I don't know. It's, it's the it's the atmosphere of that entire place, I think, is what got me into it to start with. And and that's that's why I continued going back because of the the atmosphere of Nationwide Arena. It's the arena. That's that's what it's all coming down to. It's almost like a therapeutic session right now. It's the arena. It's the uh, when you come back to it, the, the atmosphere, everybody around you and how it, like – it all, I don't know. It all uh, flows together, I guess, in a, in a way where you can. It's a, it's a, it's a different feeling. Nothing that I've ever felt before when that team wins in that arena. Yeah, see, I took a totally different path than you guys because uh, I was already done being a kid when the team came. <laughs> That's fair. So, you know, they showed up. I'm already an adult. You know, I'm. I don't even think I, I think I actually saw my first game. I was home on leave from the military. And I yeah, you're an old man compared to all, you know, you're, you're an old dude. And that little gray in his beard. But like, I went to my first game, the first season, I had to see it, you know. And like you said, Jeremy, we finally got a team in our, our home city. You know, I mean, I live 45 minutes away from here, but I consider Columbus my home city. It's way closer than Cincinnati or Cleveland. And because there are, based in Ohio because they're based in Columbus. I became a fan automatically. Now I didn't know the first damn thing about hockey. So I went to one game the first year. I went to one game the second year and I usually went to one game and then one became two, two became three, three became four, five, then it became eight. And then the whole political scene changed and everybody started kneeling for this, that, and the other, and some sort of protest. Now, as a veteran, you have the right to do that. I fought for that right, so you could do it. But I also have the right, I don't have to agree with you, I can protest your protest. So I quit watching football for three years. Didn't watch a single game. Needed something to do on the weekends, because like it doesn't take as long to mow the grass, clean the gutter, <laughs> do your laundry, as I made my wife think it did for years. So I started watching hockey a little bit more regularly. Well, as you guys are ADHD, I'm OCD. So I'm watching a sport that I don't know what the hell the rules are. What the hell is this icing shit? How are they offsides? What's offsides? So I literally sat down and I taught myself the rules, 
while watching the games. So that first year that I really dove in head first was the year we had the 16-game winning streak. What a year to become a diehard. I was hooked. Now, growing up, I was always a little bit opposite where everybody loved Rick Nash. You know, I was Jody Shelley, Jared Ball, Dylan Proud. You know, if you're going to punch somebody in the face, that's my dude. But the, the obsession just, I can't do anything in moderation. I'm an all or nothing guy. And when I decide to do something, I jump in head first. So 21 games, 28 games. Screw it. We're buying tickets. We're in the upper bowl. Screw <laughs> it. We need better seats. We're in front of the cannon. We've been there ever since. And I miss about one game a year because I get sick at least once a year. But, damn it, I'm there 40-plus games, and I absolutely love it. This team, even as bad as they are this year, I love going to hockey. I love watching hockey being played. But to me, it's about the people I've met along the journey. Guys like Kyle, I consider best friends now. You know, Zach, who's on the podcast with us, is 22 years old. He's literally younger than half my children. I consider <laughs> him a good friend. Meeting you guys, meeting people like DK, guys that I would have never met if it hadn't been for Blue Jackets is the reason why I do this. Yeah, well put. Well said. Yeah, that was like deep. I like want to frame that. I like Holy shit. Well, you, yeah, we need little, to get that on little a boomer, little boomer's more than just a pretty shell. <laughs> I've, always, no I've always said that about you. He that that was poetry, my dude. Holy good shit. shit. Also, I'm I'm yeah, blacked out. What happened? I'd run through a wall for you right now. That's, Absolutely, that's I'm yeah. ready. Oh my <laughs> I, god! I mean, I'm being dead serious. If it wasn't for the people I've met doing hockey, I wouldn't spend this money to go hang out with you guys yeah. more than one night a year. I feel if, you. If the same just, way. It's, yeah. If it was just me going by myself and I was the old man sitting on a log, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. I look more forward to pre-gaming with friends at our bar, or going out after the game, or the cannon meetups, or the the group of friends we've made in the smoking section, Kyle. <laughs> I mean, those are the people that I go to talk to. That's I enjoy the people more than I do the results. Shout out Angry John from the smoking section. <laughs> Hell yeah. All, My dude. All, I is, all I know is that I'm glad you enjoy the people more than the results, or else you'd be in a bad way this season. Correct. Yeah, and, I, and that's why I can hop on Twitter and just make joke after joke and laugh yeah. at myself and yeah. everyone else because I don't take it as That's the thing. And that's something that I've always said on the artillery and on this podcast is that we've been fans for a reason before any of these, any of the front office, the coaches and the players have been here or the employees of the team. Dude, and we're I've been be here after 90% of the staff. Yeah, we're, we're also going to be a fan after they're gone. So, like, mm -hmm. we're, we're going to be here. We're going to live in this city. We're going to continue to be fans of this team, except, well, not all of us live in this city, Jeremy. Sorry, not I'm everybody gonna, I'm gonna lives in this that. city. I'm going to work on that at some point. Sorry. Uh, but we're all, we're all going to continue to be fans, regardless of if these people are here or not, because of, of the experiences we've had, the friendships we've made, and, and everything we've got to see and do because of this team. So, you know, regardless of how bad the team is going to be, it's, I'm not in that bad of a mood it, overall because it's it's going to come at some point. You know what I mean? Like it's it's going to be here and we're going to be here for it. Hey, this bad boy set up for me and my wife to have 41 date nights a year. If we make the playoffs, <laughs> we get more. There Unless she doesn't want to go and then I take your ticket, you know. <laughs> that, that was last year. <laughs> All right. So thank you guys so much for that, um, for for being here with us uh this evening 
I think it's been a great podcast. I don't know. Yeah. I, I feel like we've we've had a lot of good conversations. Um, so hopefully we can do this again soon. I, w- I would think we should do this like once every like once a month or something at this point. Yeah. yeah we'll have you guys over to our place next time. We would love to. We'd love to join. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said in Traverse City, when podcasts collide. That's right. Yeah, we've only been working on doing this episode since September. So. Hey, it's, always, it's always something, Jeremy. The Blue Jackets have only been working on being a, a championship winning team for 22 years. So I think we're on pace. We're, we're all right. We're officially ahead of schedule. Yeah, we're ahead of schedule. Uh, speaking of Traverse City, you guys want to go back this year? Looking forward to I've that. actually already been looking at Airbnbs. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, we are going. Yeah. So we were the well. way to do it. I, tell I you. think this is going to turn into like an annual tradition. I truly oh, yeah. do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That was so much fun up there. All right. We're done here. We're at an hour 30. Boomer, do you have anything else you want to add before we end this podcast this evening? Hey, I just want to thank both of you for coming on here. Go ahead and uh, share your ads and your link info. Let everybody know where they can yeah, find you when you're not hanging plug, out with us. Send uh, good luck, Laura. Don't fuck I'm not messing out. it up this time <laughs> like I did on when we were on the artillery. Um, yeah, so you can – we're subjectively speaking, spelled CBJ actively. Um, and you can find us on social media, on Twitter and Instagram at SubjectivelyPod, and on Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok at Subjectively Speaking. And wherever Nailed you it. find your podcasts. Hell yeah. Did you, did she and, nail and it? Subjectively merch, pimp the shop. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. We do we do have a merch store uh, with some pretty with some pretty sweet merch <laughs> that no one buys anything from. But <laughs> it's subjectively I'm gonna win it. <laughs> you gotta plug it more, plug it more. You gotta get it out there. Subjectivelymerch.com. So oh, subjectivelymerch.com. Love it. It is Check it out. very lovely. There's right. lots of things that you can maybe buy. <laughs> All right, you two. Thank you so much for being on with us this evening. Uh, boom, we're out of here, dude. Uh, just throw it out there. Peace, love, and hockey.